up writing fiction in Paris, but no publisher would accept his work. He fought in the Spanish Civil War, but the experience had given him a horror of politics. Told in this way, his life seems to be full of disappointment and defeat, and he closes his account by implying that he is in semi-retreat from the world. Of his life in recent months, he remarks, I cannot honestly say that I've done anything except write books and raise hens and vegetables. In part, this self-portrait merely reflects Orwell's modesty and his fondness for understatement, but it also reveals more than a little fondness for playing the part of the enigmatic, failed writer. The photograph above his entry in 20th Century Authors is a gloomy one that Orwell himself recommended to the publishers. It is essentially a black box with a small pool of light at the centre, exposing the rough features of an obscured face. Orwell is recognisable, but just barely. His eyes are cast downward. His neck is almost entirely hidden inside his shirt. And his full head of hair is all but invisible. Playing the loser was a form of revenge against the winners, a way of repudiating the corrupt nature of conventional success, the scheming, the greed, the sacrifice of principles. Yet it was also a form of self-rebuke a way of keeping one's pride and ambition in check. And Orwell did indeed have his pride and ambition. In the very year that he was presenting himself to twentieth-century authors as a gardener and chicken farmer who also happened to write books from time to time, he was in fact maintaining a punishing pace of literary activity, turning out a total of eighty essays and reviews for a variety of London periodicals, including the Adelphi, Horizon, The Listener, the New English Weekly, the New Statesman, Time and Tide, and Tribune. Some of this work was done simply because he had needed the money, and some of it because he had felt a burning desire to speak his mind. But he was also doing what all ambitious writers, rich or poor, do. He was promoting his career by keeping his name in print in as many places as possible. He drove himself relentlessly to make his mark as a writer, yet he was always doubting whether he'd done enough to earn a respectable reputation, or even whether a respectable reputation was worth achieving. Of course, his behaviour is contradictory, but he thrived on contradiction. It is everywhere in his life and work. He called himself a socialist, yet he was always pointing out weaknesses in socialism. He devoted enormous effort to writing his novels, yet admitted near the end of his life, I'm not a real novelist anyway. He was an intellectual who ran a small village shop and referred to himself as a grocer, an ex-policeman who lived among tramps, an inveterate reviewer who complained that reviewing damaged a writer's soul. He liked to expose flaws in the works of great writers and to praise signs of greatness in the works of minor ones. He had a keen appetite for a literary contradiction that he called, borrowing the phrase from G.K. Chesterton, the good-bad book. Whatever the subject, Orwell was always tempted to look at it from both sides, and when he considered another point of view, he did not usually do it half-heartedly. He became immersed in it and used all the powers of his imagination to identify with it. This ability allowed him to see what others ignored and to challenge comfortable assumptions. It is one of the sources of his greatness as a writer, but it also helps to explain why, whenever he turned a critical eye on his own work, he had no trouble finding faults and imagining the worst about his career. 
He wrote in a style that seems plain at first glance, but that is, in fact, the product of a highly sophisticated artistic process. Anyone who doubts this sophistication should try imitating his style for a page or two. At his best, he makes writing look easy, but no one should underestimate his mastery of English prose. He loved the sound of mere words and cultivated his style with devotion. Language was one of the things that made life worth living. So long as I remain alive and well, he said, in Why I Write, I shall continue to feel strongly about prose style, to love the surface of the earth, and to take pleasure in solid objects and scraps of useless information. Lionel Trilling was wrong when he praised Orwell's plainness as an example of what ordinary writers could achieve if they tried to do their best. He is not a genius. What a relief.